Well, good morning again. Good morning. You know, as we were dismissing for the welcome there, I met a young man from Kentucky. He said he drove all the way down here to hear a good preacher. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, what's he doing here, somebody said. We're delighted that all of you are here today. Thank you so much. And God is an awesome God, amen? Amen and amen. Teachers got a few days off or a day off tomorrow, I suppose, or I've heard that anyway. So a lot have taken advantage of that probably out of town. They're certainly not probably sleeping in this morning. We wouldn't have that. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Max Lakato wrote these. He said, A lady who had a small house on the seashore in Ireland at the turn of the century was quite wealthy but also quite frugal. The people were surprised then when she decided to be among the first to uh, put in electricity in her home. Several weeks after the installation, a meter reader came along and asked her if everything was fine, and she said, oh, it's great. He said, well, I was wondering because I was checking your meter, and there's very little use, if any at all, coming from the meter. Are you sure you're using the power? She said, well, certainly I am. She said, each evening when the sun sets, I turn on the lights to light my candles, and then I turn them off again. She tapped into the power, he writes, but doesn't use it. Her house is connected but not altered in any way. And don't we make the same mistakes in our walk? We too, with our souls saved but our hearts unchanged, are connected but not altered. Trusting Christ for our salvation but resisting transformation. We occasionally flip on the switch, but most of the time, we settle for the shadows. I hadn't read that in a long time, but it kind of hit me when I was working on this series of messages that we're going to be working on together and looking at together, I should say. And, and in that process, it really caused me to stop and evaluate my own spiritual walk. And I pray that that's what this does for all of us. As a minister stands before any congregation, that is truly the thing you want to try to get to the heart of the matter. Someone said, well, preacher, you stepped on my toes today by something you said. Well, I'm never stepping or I'm never aiming for your toes. I'm always aiming for the heart. Because it's always a heart matter in which God is after. Jim explained that quite well. Phil has as well in the class that we've been doing on Sunday mornings. It's a heart matter. and Taking the, from the old law, the Ten Commandments, into the new. And Jesus connects us with those, but he uses the heart thing. It, it makes us see in the New Testament, it makes us see that we're guilty of every single one that we've broke. Because of our hearts. If it wasn't just the hard thing, it would be all right because we could just check and say, nope, 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 yep, 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 I'm good, let me in. But yet God brings it to the heart. And when He brings it to the heart, we all come to realize we're sunk. We're lost. There's no hope until we find Jesus. And when we do, my, my, my. So when is the last time that you have asked God to open the eyes of your heart? I think that's a really important question. Have you ever asked God to open the eyes to your heart? Truth is, even as Christians, besides perhaps our conversion, our time of baptism, or our time of accepting Christ as our Savior and Lord, we haven't done that. 
Why is it that we haven't asked God to open the eyes of our heart? Well, I suppose we could do a 10-week study on that. Be able to describe many things that you might have. And you could come up with some answers and I'd say, what do you think? And you would come up with some, I'm sure, and some good ones and probably give some great answers of how we deal with that. But some of them might be, I didn't know I could. Others might say, I didn't know I should. Others might simply say, well, I don't really, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what I might discover or what God might discover as though I hide something from Him. And then others would simply say, I don't want to get that deep because if I get that deep, I might have to address something that's going on in my life that I know is exactly my struggle in life. So Paul, the writer in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus, he writes these words, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that they might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And that is my prayer throughout this, especially this message, is that our eyes are enlightened, that we have this heart that's open before God, and that we just don't come and play church. I used to play church when I was a little boy. Back in the day, we had the, the communion cups. If you remember those, if you're old enough, you probably do. They were little glass cups. We get the plastic throwaways now. Anybody remember the glass ones? Anybody have to take those home? It was your week, your month to clean them out? Well, us kids, when it was our month, it was our week. Us kids at the house, at Davidson's house, we always played church. Anybody do that besides me? Maybe I need to repent real quick. Oh, I remember getting up there and I was giving my brothers and my sisters a two and what for. And I always made sure after communion we took up a collection. And I always said, remember a tenth. You got a tithe. But you also got to give that offering. So don't be giving no nickel. You put ten cents in there because my candy bar cost me ten cents. I had them down pat. My mom walked in one day, and I was standing on the couch, and I remember standing there, and I was just really letting it fly. And she said, who died and made you the preacher? I said, well, this is a good audience, and they're listening well, so don't interrupt. And women are to be silent in church. See you later. Okay. All right. Something about having the eyes of our heart open gives us. It gives us something that we have apparently been missing out on. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. Do you want to miss anything that God has for you? Anybody here? Oh, I just decided I don't want I don't miss out on what God has for me. Well, see, the truth is, unless you get your heart open, unless you let the eyes of your heart be opened, you're missing out on what God wants for your life or a segment of what God wants for your life. Spiritual eyesight then must be a valuable asset for the Christian, the believer. Therefore, that starts this new series or this new theme entitled, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. We wanted to wait, or I wanted to wait, I should say, until after the Arise program in which we, we did and went through. And I tried to do that, to give room for that to really take place in and of its own. And I want to pull away from that because those that we bring in do a fine job for us. And I don't want to interrupt that, but I do want to introduce this one today. So what's your eyesight like these days? 
I don't mean your physical eyesight. You can go to an optometrist and get a checkup and say it's 2020, or you can leave his office in about an hour with some glasses or contacts and you can see 2020. I'm talking about your spiritual vision. How are you doing with that? If someone were to look into your heart, and we could see into yours today. If we had this machine that we could look in like we look into our eyes, could we see what your vision really is? What would it be? Would it be 2020? You see, I can actually see you without my glasses. But the truth is, you look a lot better with my glasses on. Well, some of you. But anyway, in that process, you look a lot better with that. But I must admit, with, without my glasses, it gets a little blurry. It gets a little fuzzy around the edges sometimes. And those that have trouble with your eyes, you understand that, don't you? You realize that. It's one of the first things you grab for in the morning is your glasses. Why do you grab those? Why do you go for those? You go for those because you want to see some of you are, you, you, you just don't want to admit your age, and so you don't go to the eye doctor, you go to Walmart, and you get little things called readers. My wife has 150 pair of readers around the house. I've seen her have a pair on and a pair on the top of her head and say, where are my glasses? I'm thinking it's time to go to the eye doctor, don't you? In fact, we were looking into that this week. She knows I love her, and she already got her Valentine's card, so it's okay. If no one would have invented glasses, this would be normal. To see blurry and not know that it's blurry, it would be natural, normal to you. In parts of the world where they haven't been able to check their eyes, the kids that grow, and do you think they don't have eye problems? They don't know what's clear. They don't know what is supposed to be. And they check, and if you've ever been a part of that, and I have, where they're checked and you slip this on, and they're like, whoa, something becomes clearer. Vision becomes what it's meant to be, and praise God for that. I think for many Christians, we don't realize there's, there's spiritual blurriness in our lives. That our vision spiritually isn't 2020. It may have been at one time, but we haven't had a checkup in a long time. And by not having a checkup, we didn't realize we needed a little adjustment along the way. And we might say that's normal, isn't it? Well, no, it's not. Some know that there is an adjustment or a place to go to find that, but yet they won't go to find that the spiritual heart is because, again, they're afraid or they just don't want to. People do what people want to do. And I'm good enough right now. I see good enough spiritually speaking. I see good enough. Thank you very much, preacher. Let's go eat. But did you ever realize that God intends for you to see Him do you ever realize that God intends for you and me to see Him? Now you say that to some people, they might say, whoa, wait a minute, what are you talking about? But yet Matthew chapter 5 tells us precisely that. Just the one verse tells us that. Blessed are the 
the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's the here and now. Look it up. Yes, we will see Him face to face in all His glory and all of those things when time comes. But God says, I want you to be able to see me now. So I wrote this week. Again, I, I just grab my phone and push a button and it records some things for me. And I said, sometimes I think we try to explain God rather than experience Him. Well, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to explain God? Oh, oh I know some would have a problem with that. But the truth is we cannot explain God in His fullness. There's no doubt that we cannot. But without experiencing God, you can miss out on the joy that God wants you to have here, life in its fullest. Here, now. I long for that in my life. I pray that you do as well. This is why we sing the song. It's Jesus, let us Come to know you, let us see you face to face. That's why we sing it. It's not just to say a few lines, oh, and we're on our way. Let us see you face to face in your presence. So the metaphors used by writers throughout the Word of God should not be dismissed only as poetic as some would have you believe. Oh, that's just poetry there. Although much of some of the writings are very poetic. The Word of God presumes that you and I have spiritual senses just as much as we have physical senses. Because we do. And the writing of God's Word, as you look at it, you realize that that's precisely what he's talking about. Listen to the psalmist David as he reveals some of those for us and see how poetic they are, but how revealing they are for the spiritual senses that we might have. Here's just a few. In Psalms 19, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The Christian sees that as true. The world sees it as poetic. In Psalms 119 and also Psalms 36, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Describes it in a way in which it is the, the senses that we have, but yet the heart of the matter. For with you is the fountain of life, and in the light we see light in you. And Jesus said in John chapter 8, He is the light of the world. And as Christians, we believe that, but the world says, it's the Son. It's the Son, S-U-N. But the believer says, no, it's the Son, S-O-N, because He is the light of my world. In Psalm 63, it says, I have seen your, you in your sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. We even sing a song like that. Poetic, yes. But have you seen God in the sanctuary? When is the last time that you've seen God in the sanctuary? When? There is something about standing in His presence. There's something that's humbling when it overtakes you, spiritually speaking. When is the last time? 
We've all probably been part of a service at somewhere or sometime, whether it's the Winterfest that the, the, a bunch of you went to a few weeks ago, or maybe it was back in the day, and having spoke there, I know, but at the Tulsa workshop where 10,000 people are singing, Just As I Am. And you're overtaken in your spirit by the movement of God in your spirit as an individual. Anyone been there like that? It's something that you desire more and more of. And you just wish in that moment that you could pick up your congregation of people and somehow airlift them, take them there, drop them off, and have that experience for themselves. Can I hear an amen? If you've never experienced it, then don't say amen. But if you have, you would shout hallelujah, I'm sure. The natural eye. Listen, listen to this one, Psalms 119. Open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Open my eyes. See those wonderful things. The natural eye can only see words on a page. The spiritual eye sees into the heart of God. How is your vision? When you come to worship, do you come to see into the heart of God and allow Him to see into your heart? Or do you just come to take a piece of cracker and juice and simply say, see you next week? Check. 2 Corinthians 4 says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. How do we do that? How can you fix your eyes on things that have not been seen, that you can't see? What is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, he says. The point is, spiritual reality is not some alternate dimension that we won't see and be a part of until we die. Oh, there's a place called heaven and we won't get there until we get there. And praise God, it's there, amen? That's very true, but in that, there's a place for us. There's a place for us. God wants us to move, be moved in our spirits in such a way that we Feel His presence, for we are His children. And when we cry out to Him, it moves Him to come to be in our presence. You see, as Christians, we are called to see by faith, not by sight. That sounds easy because it's a scripture in which we've memorized from the time we were small if we were in church. But we're called to do that by God. The list of the greats that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that they saw beyond what they saw. Have you ever seen beyond what you've seen? Have you ever been able to do that? The scripture says in, uh, in Hebrews 11, watch what it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. The truth is we may not see all of God's promises before we check out of this world either. But we are called to see them through faith nonetheless. Because when you read a promise and it hasn't come to pass, it is as true as the ones that all that have come to pass. And if you fix your eyes on that, I haven't seen heaven. You seen heaven yet? I haven't beheld all its glory. Do you believe it's there? Can you see it? in your spirit, and it almost overwhelms you to think that God has prepared a place for you and for me, because we are His children, 
a, a, a way, a, a place that is described in Scripture only by the, the things in what we know that are most precious, the pearls and the gold and the, all the splendor of that. But it's a place of perfection. It's a place that it's eternal. It's a place that God says, is yours, it's mine. Can you just almost taste it, that it's, that it's really there? And by faith we see it. Although we haven't seen it, we see it. And God has called us to do that. All of God's promises are true. Even the ones in which we have not, have not yet come to pass. They're all true. A.W. Tozer said it this way. I hope we can do this one justice. Mike, it's a good one. Write it down. He says, what can all this mean except that we have in our hearts organs by means of which we can know God as certainly as we know material things through our familiar five senses? We apprehend the physical world by exercising the faculties given to us for that purpose. And we possess spiritual faculties by means of which we can know God and the spiritual world if we will only allow the Spirit to urge and begin to use them. That's powerful. If you believe it. Now truth is you tell some people that and they freak out. They're they're, they're, they're afraid. Listen to me very carefully. You never have to be afraid of what God offers you. God offers you what you would offer to your children. Love and, and precious gifts over and over again. But when people get freaked out when you tell them that, they normally close their heart And then they scurry around and they do what you have always done, thinking that that somehow pleases God. I'll just have to do more to please God. And all the while, God wants your heart to be opened and not a to-do list be checked off. You remember the story over in the book of Luke, Mary and Martha. If you remember the story there, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and opened her heart. Martha did what? She did everything that was on her list to get done. But when you read that story the next time, ask yourself this simple question. Which one was Christ after, the heart or the fish and chips? He's after your heart. Because that's the most most important thing about you. Is your heart, because out of your heart you speak. Out of your heart you do in life. And I believe that is just... As we can lose our sensitivity in the natural senses, and we do if we don't use them correctly, we can lose the spiritual senses if we are not careful in our lives. We have become more and more insensitive to the Spirit of God when we should become more and more sensitive to the Spirit of God's call in our life. Are you more sensitive today than you were five years ago to God's call in your life? You know the answer to that. Someone said, perhaps we have been fed fast food spiritual diet for so long that we are incapable of filling our hearts with any nourishment. And when I read that statement, I thought, wow. I don't know who it was that said it. I just read it. It may have been a clip that somebody sent me sometime or I don't know. 
But perhaps we have been fed a fast food spiritual diet for so long that we are incapable of filling ourselves with nourishment. I thought about that a while and then I wrote these words. As a steady diet, fast food isn't good for your physical body. We all know that. Is that right? I like fast food. Anybody like fast food? I like fast I like fast food. But we all know that you can't live on fast food. It's not good for your, your body. We all know that. And it begins to tell us that if we eat enough of it. Amen? But in this, fast food for the spiritual body can lead to major problems as well. Did you know that? Oh, yes, it can. Look at it this way for just a moment. And I want you to listen very carefully on this because I don't want to be misunderstood and I want to be straightforward with it. The world around us have been shoveling into us a fast food that can destroy us as Christians. I'll say it again so you didn't misunderstand what I said. The world around us has been shoveling into us this fast food that can destroy us. How do I explain that? Let me give you three. Just three prime examples. Three prime examples. The sanctity of life is no longer sacred. The fast food of the world says throw it away like trash. And that's exactly what they do is throw it away like trash. And yet Proverbs is very clear to you and I as Christians There are six things, yet seven things, that God hates. And he says in Scripture, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. I just want you to ask this simple question. Is there anything more innocent than the unborn baby in the mother's womb? And yet people of faith simply say, I think it's okay. Fast food diet. Loses sensitivity. Here's another one. Sanctity of marriage is no longer sacred. The fast food of the world says doesn't matter, and yet God says He made them male and female. He made them. And a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. That's not a misprint. And we can't rewrite it. Moral truths are no longer sacred. Think about that one. The fast food of the world tells you there is no such thing as absolute truth. And I will tell you in our world today that they are shoving that down the mouths of our children's, our children and our grandchildren. There is no such thing as absolute truth. You believe what you want to believe because that's truth. And yet God tells us plainly in His Word from the very beginning, God said in the beginning, God or I created the heavens and the earth. Absolute truth. And Jesus said over in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, I think, go ahead and think. And when Christians think that all roads lead to heaven, they're misunderstanding God's truth because there is only one way and His name is Jesus the Christ. He hung on a cross, He died for your sins, He died for my sins, but He died for the sins of the world. And yes, we should reach out in love 
in, in love for the world because he loves them, but God will not allow us to bathe in the sin of the world and redeem us. He won't do it. We become desensitized by the world. And when those fast foods are consumed long enough by a person, a group of people, or even a nation, they begin to overload the physical senses of our selves, not only the physical, but the spiritual senses that lie within the heart of the Christian. And before long, there seems to be no difference between the saints and the sinners. And yet someone cries out, well, wait a minute, the saints are just sinners who fall down and get up, aren't they? Yes, you're absolutely right. That is true. But not to return to the sin for another adulterer's spin around the block. Because that's what we were, not who we are in Christ Jesus. Can I have an amen? True Christianity is biblical, of course. Of course it is. Life-changing it must be. It gives peace to the heart and to the mind. It is obedient to God and His Word. Not mine, not yours, or anyone that stands on a stage and might tell you differently. Or a law that's been put in a book by a country. For only God can deliver true joy here and eternal life there. Only God. We need to let God's Word shape us into His likeness, Scripture says. Into His likeness. For when you carry the name Christian, you are saying, I am Christ-like. I'm not Christ. I fail. Yes, we all do. But not to live in sin. It's for us to be more Christ-like. We need to be truthful and honest before God. And allow Him to open our hearts so that we can experience His fullness and His likeness so that we might look like Him more when we leave this place than what we look like the world when we're among them. We must. And so my prayer throughout this theme, this series of messages will be that of Paul's. I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened Enlightened in order that we may know the hope of which He has called you. He's called us out of darkness into light. He saved us from hell and wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life. And if we close our eyes to our spiritual lives, we will slip back into the darkness and it will encompass us and swallow us And if it doesn't destroy you and me completely, it'll destroy the next generation or the next generation. They won't even know what light is. It's important for us to shine for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And the only way I know to do that is to beg God to simply say to God, Open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see you in all of your glory. Because when I see you in all of, my glo- in all of your glory, I pour out myself before you. 
because I can't stand before you filthy. I stand before you cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And when I refuse to open my eyes to my spiritual heart, I'm not allowing that light to come in. So here's the truth, or a question, I guess. Is your heart open to receive from God today? We'll talk about that more in a week or so. For if it is, the promise from God is that He will fill your heart. That's the beauty of God. No one goes away from God empty unless they choose to. If you come before God with an open heart, His promise is that He will fill it. If not, more fast food awaits you, my friend. And that's not good for any spiritual soul. So maybe today, you need a prayer. Maybe you're just sitting right where you're at. This is all tradition. Where we sing a song and we invite you to come. It's all tradition. You don't have to do that. I would encourage you, if God's put it on your heart, to come. Why? So that we can pray with you and for you. Brothers and sisters are to love each other. That's why we're here. So if you feel compelled to come today and have us pray with you, that's what we're here for, not to condemn. But wherever you're at today in your life, would you please just ask God to open my heart that I might see you, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might be what you want me to be. Or maybe today, just maybe today, something has been said and you've received in your heart what God said. If you'll receive my son as your savior, he'll save you. But maybe you've never experienced the thing called the new birth. Oh, what a beautiful thing that God has given us. What a beautiful thing that Jesus instituted as baptism. Why? It is because it marks us. It marks us in a moment. It's not the water. It's the clearing of the conscience. Because what can wash away my sin? Not water. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But when I see myself dying to self, going underneath the water, and then I realize what happens when I come up again, I'm a new creation, God says. Old is gone, new has come. If you've never experienced baptism, if your children have never experienced baptism, you need to talk to them about that. It's a precious thing in which God has allowed, called us to do. Talk about it openly. If you want to know more about it, please visit with me or one of the elders. We'll be glad to visit with you. And it's never too late to do that. And so we give you an opportunity at the end of our services as well to do that. The water's warm. The garments are here. You don't have to bring anything except an open heart. So anytime, and here's one last thing. I said that 10 minutes ago, didn't I? Anytime you're in my service, and I've said this many times, anytime you're in my service and you want a prayer and you feel the Spirit of God moving in the presence of God in your heart, I just feel like, what is that? If you want to come, somebody will come with you and sit right there and pray. 
I'll just keep on preaching if I need to. You will not interrupt God, and I promise you, you won't interrupt me. And by all means, if you're ever in one of my services and if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know this to be true because it's happened here. I said, if right in the middle of the service, if you feel that God has called you to be baptized, you will go ahead and come forward. And one day this lady, young lady, David and Sandy's granddaughter, she, right in the middle of our service, anybody remember that? How beautiful that was. She just walked forward. Isn't that wonderful? If you feel that way, any of my services, I promise you, I won't, inter- I, I, I won't hinder that at all. We will stop the music, if you will. Do we have music here? Yes. <laughs> we, will stop, we, will, we will turn off the mics, and we will allow you that time to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and experience a new birth. And we promise you this. I promise you this, that everyone in here will celebrate with you and with the angels. God bless you, and thank you for being such a good audience today. Whatever your need is, you come right now. 